0: Thank you so much for coming back to the dinner table again. Here we are week two after some major changes at the dinner table. And this week I want to welcome some guests to the dinner table. I have with me my friend, Kristen and Sean. Hello guys. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the dinner table. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to have you guys. We're going to talk about the food we cooked here in just a minute. But first of all, I have to talk about Kai Shen, my dog and the haircut that he got. <laughs> You guys got to see him when he uh, showed up at the door barking at you. Uh, what do you think about Kaishin's lovely new haircut?
1: I think it looks great.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I
2: like it. I like his flippy ears. Thank and you. Oh,
0: My great. parents said the same thing this morning. I walked over and I was like, he looks like his mom gave him a haircut. <laughs> it, 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 it's actually, he's like flat on top and then he has poofy ears And he's all like, I haven't really given him. I need to do some more work on it. But basically because of some of these changes that have happened, I just don't have the finances right now to actually take him to the groomer because he was going to the groomer once a month. Well, at least not
1: like a a bowl cut or something like that. It's it's better than that.
0: Thank you for making me feel better. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate your kindness. That's, That's very good of you. We've also, you guys, when you guys got here, you got to see the the sheep and the, the longhorns. You were playing with oh, the longhorns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yes. they
1: came up on us quick.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did you, uh, what, what was your thought about the, it was, oh, they ran up. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Have you ever yep. seen anything like that before? No, not that big and not that fast. <laughs> Have you, what do you, what do you think about the size of their horns? Is that, are They're you. They're
2: massive. Right. It seems very cumbersome. Yeah.
0: That it is, that's exactly what I, I mean, and you see him walking sometimes in the summertime, especially that one that has the really big, big, big horns. And he's just like lumbering along and he's like dragging his head and you're just (laughs) like, my God, but they're so smart with their horns, the way they move them around and stuff like that. And they're very friendly pets for us. So I have to warn people like, don't you can't like, he's going to want to come up and like, let you pet him. And he's going to whack you in the head with your horn, with these ginormous horns that your arm is. (laughs) I promise you your arm is shorter than these longhorns. So, so of course we've got all the animals out here. We talk about them every week and the rabbits and the sheep have come up in the conversation recently. You guys know a lot about what's going on with the rabbits. I, um, I'm having to kind of talk out and think out with, of course my parents and everything, the sheep. So we have Dorper sheep out there. You saw my two boys mm-hmm. and we were about to get, um, uh, some ewes And this, has changed some of that. This has changed some of the things we're doing with the sheep. Um, I don't know for sure. I've I've asked the guy that we originally partnered with to um, just come and get them right now so that I can like start over later on, but I'm still not 100% sure what's ex- exactly going to happen. But you guys actually came out here to the farm last Easter for the goat roast. Yeah, oh, we did. yeah. <laughs> And that was like the key for why we were planning to do, uh, like that was the reason why we wanted to do it. Yeah. Uh... Okay. So that we can, you know, process our own and have our own like goat roasts, yes. and I mean, if you know, we'd be able to have meat available for other people too. But that after I saw that last year, and I grew up raising lambs and like 4-H and anything. Do you guys have any experience with um, raising 4-H no. animals or anything My like that in your did life? Rabbits. Yeah. in High school. Uh huh.
2: We just recently got rid of the last one.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious yeah, it took right? a while yeah, I, I
1: was crazy. in an uh, ag class for some reason in, in high school for some and, reason yeah yeah, yeah it's uh, because uh, you're
0: from texas yeah are you from it, texas it's it's I, mandatory. Didn't even... <laughs> uh, I was i was
1: born in maryland i grew up in the dallas area so gotcha. it was suburbs all the way but yeah, um, yeah, yeah we wound up with 25 chickens uh-huh. and out at the ag barn so yeah uh, that's about all for me
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Well, um, I raised sheep when I was a kid in 4-H and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, the goat roast happened and I was like, okay, this sounds like, and I'm really enjoying lamb. I'm enjoying lamb meat. We've got um, Turkey Hollow Farms, who is the people we buy meat from. I grabbed some more meat from them this week. And um, we're actually, again, gonna talk about the lamb that we cooked tonight here in just a little bit. But, um, so the sheep are kind of a questionable thing that's happening still. The rabbits, as you mentioned that your your sister raised rabbits, I actually do have the, the meat rabbits. We're going forward with that. We talked about it this morning. Um, my dad and I talked about, you know, getting the cages, that they're going to need in the fall for the bunnies to have them. And then we'll, and then I'll, I'll learn how to process rabbits. So I'm learning how to do a lot of things like create podcasts and, uh, (laughs) do YouTube videos up to you. I'm learning how to cook. Like (laughs) I had no, this wasn't the plan. You guys, This, (laughs) this wasn't the plan. Hey man, you won't catch me lying. It's unanswered questions. Last week, when Jennifer was here at the dinner table, we spent a little bit of time talking about nutrient density, and I had brought up um, that the way that you test the sugar in your grapes is through a bricks meter, but I was wondering whether there was an actual like tool that you would use because we talked about nutrient density, and so I wanted to talk about, I wanted to look up for unanswered questions, the idea of how do you test for nutrient density when we're dealing with, Wanting to know better how to grow vegetables that are actually going to be in the nutrient density that we need. So we're not just eating a bunch of kale, we're eating kale that actually has the nutrients you need in it. Is it being grown in a farm on a place where there's enough nutrients in the soil to be able to get access to that? But how do you test that? And so I did look it up and I came across one uh, website uh, for a farm. Farm is called Cedar Circle Farm and Education Center. And they were doing a special testing for nutrient density on their vegetables. This was back in September of 2020. Um, And what they said is, is that the tool that they use is called a spectrometer. And spectrometers work by sending out a beam of light to the vegetable. The light is then reflected back to the machine and analyzed. Each vegetable has its own unique signature based on the wavelengths of light that are reflected back to the spectrometer. When I brought that up to you, Sean, um, <laughs> you actually gave us a little bit of information because you have a background in brewing beer. Well, yeah?
1: brewing beer and my, uh, bachelor's degrees in uh, biochemistry as well. So mm-hmm. I've, I've used the, spectro, a spectrophotometer, a spectrometer before, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, school settings.
0: Right. Have you, ha- do you have experience testing things? Have you ever tested anything before?
1: Uh, we, we did for school, but the, the, the basics, the, the way it works is that's going to shine a, a beam of light at mm-hmm. whatever you're looking for. And whatever you're looking for is going to interact with that light in a particular way. Either absorb some of that light, reflect a certain amount back. So by looking at what's been reflected back to your uh, your sensor, you can figure out what how much of what you're looking for is actually in there. So each molecule, each nutrient is going to interact in a different way. So if you know the wavelength uh, of light that you sent, you just look at what came back, and then you can determine what's in there Well,
0: and so in the, then the I, most
1: simple terms.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the refract- refractometer, yeah. the bricks meter, is basically what we were talking about last week. And I went over to, I found another website, Learning and Yearning. And they said that um, according to Weston A. Price Foundation, which is another very valued um, nutrient-dense food education organization, uh, nonprofit organization, they said the BRICS measures a combination of sugars, amino acids, oils, proteins, flavonoids, minerals, and other goodies. So to me, it sounds like we probably could get that out of the BRICS meter um, I think that I'll probably do a little bit more research and dig into this a little bit more. And I mean, because how cool would that be able to actually be able to take a carrot? And because the, the other organism, the other farm that we talked about that I talked about just a minute ago, um, the Cedar circle farm, they are sending their data in so that we get some data sets. And so I think that that's a valuable thing that there's just enough people that are out there interested in it because. One of the um, people that I listen to in podcasts and stuff like that, his name is Zach Bush, and he's very much a leader in um, talking about regenerative agriculture. He's a doctor, and um, he talks about the idea of he had, when he first started out on kind of his nutrition base for his business as a doctor, as an M.D., that he would just encourage his patients to eat more kale and whatever. But he was finding that they were still running into a lot of the same issues. And so one of the things he was learning, and we talked about this a lot in some of the past episodes when we were talking about the autoimmune protocol diet, when we were talking about regenerative farming and the things like that that we've talked about, was that you have to also be eating food that actually has nutrients in it. Right, right. And LaDonna, that was one of the things she mentioned was like, number one, eat real food. Eat food that actually has nutrients in it because your body, you can eat all the vegetables in the world, but if they don't have the nutrients that you're seeking, then it doesn't really, you know, right. well, you I'm matter. sure this has
1: probably come up before, but a lot of that starts with the the health of the soil. If those nutrients exactly. aren't in the soil to begin with, there's right. no way they're gonna wind up in that vegetable. So right. yeah, like you said, you can eat all of these vegetables you want, but if they haven't had the right environment to grow in, they're they're not gonna do anything for you.
2: Well, and also the time from harvest to actually consumption. So if it's in a can or if it's been frozen um, or if it's been you know cultivated in such a way to make it maintain its longevity on a shelf in some way, uh, you're probably not going to have as much nutrient quality available to your body at the time of consumption as something that you go into the garden, pick it and consume it immediately. Right. So that's another like huge factor in mm-hmm. I think like that nutrient density is is it still alive? Well, and not right. just yeah, not just <laughs> yeah. eating
1: healthy or eating organic, but eating locally to make sure you're getting it as fresh as possible not just for taste but also for those nutrients.
0: Yep, yep, and that's kind of the stuff we talk about every week. Um so speaking of that, we- I want to be sure to tell everybody that I do have a lot of produce coming out of my garden right now. Um, lots of squash, lots of onions. Of course I still have carrots and lettuce and things like that. I'm doing the larder investment deliveries. It's like a CSA type of thing. Um, I talked about it a little bit on a live today, but, um, I'm going to be kicking those off again in May. And one of the things I want to make sure and let everybody know on the audience is that I don't, that's limited to just a few families and a few restaurants. And I usually sell out of it pretty quickly. And, but what I would like to do is get a list of people that are interested in being on my, when I have extra bags of produce to, um, uh, to deliver. If you're interested in that, please be sure to like message me or DM me or whatever, you know, any of those ways of getting in touch with me and let me know because I'm going to have a lot of produce. And I think it's just going to continually get better. And because of the regenerative methods that I use, you guys got to walk around the garden and see how real yeah. the like oh, yeah. actual regenerative methods that are going on, the flowers and things and the way those are all growing in, you know, and the flavor of the food that we ate tonight. Absolutely. Yes. You can tell that there's nutrient density even just by that. So I want to make sure... Affordable access to nutrient dense food is a top priority in everything that I've done over the last 15 years of my life. So I want to make sure I get that food out to people. So check out my website at Acelincampbell.com or just reach out to me about that whenever you get a chance. I made kale chips and I was able to share those with you they tonight. Were so were good! I love making them. They're addictive, right? Yeah,
2: I had to ha- like put the lid back on it because <laughs> I kept snacking on them.
0: They're a really really easy recipe. Um, my best friend had told me that she had an overabundance of kale. And she's like, what am I going to do with all this? I'm going to make some kale chips, but I have way more kale than I need. And I, you know, with my grocery shopping became like a whole different, did I mention this wasn't a part of the plan? <laughs> like, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm penny benching and every, you know, whatever. But also with the autoimmune protocol diet that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks, I j- or over the, no, over the last couple of months more so. I have been really looking for, like, salty snacks. Like, I think that that's the hardest part for me. So I eat those seaweed chips. Oh, yeah. Do y'all yeah. like those? Oh, yeah. I am addicted to those yes. things. Well, what I've found is, is that if I've got plenty of kale, then I can make that, and that replaces the seaweed chips for a little while, for a very short amount of time, because I can eat all of those in one sitting.
2: Unless plastic.
0: Have y'all? <laughs> oh, my God. That is... <laughs>
1: The packaging on those is pretty. That is insane. You're right.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because yes, I feel bad about that much plastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too because we did talk about that on the podcast a few episodes ago. It's like, what are some of the things you've noticed? And I'm like, I make more trash. That's what I've noticed. (laughs) I make more trash. I hate that. So my recipe for making kale chips is nutritional yeast, olive oil, and then I use a little bit of my cilantro salt. And I, it doesn't even take just, I mean, you can do it in like a couple of hours on the dehydrator. I have two different kinds of dehydrators. um, So I make those very easily. And you want to keep your temperatures down to like, I think one 105 or like the lowest setting temperature you can. There might even be a temperature setting of like 95. It's just what I try to set things at, um, that, that to keep nutrient density, like you mentioned, the more you do to something, the more you process it or prepare it or cook it the less nutrients that it has in it. So if you're trying to do medicinal flowers or kale chips or anything like that, you want to try to keep as much nutrients in there as possible. So those are a quick and easy thing that I've been making a lot of. Um, I know that there are other people out there. Do you make kale chips at home?
1: Well, I was just going to say the, the dehydrator sounds like the way to go because I've, I've done them before in an oven, but I overcrowd the pan and then it's, it's, it's a little bit of an ordeal to, to, to get them just right. Um, I'd I have to be able a to just feeling
0: that the humidity down here causes us issues when making dried stuff in the oven. Mm-hmm. Like I find that a lot. And, um, our friend Cassie, mm-hmm. she said that she uses, um, I'm having a brain fart. I can't think of the word. Um, she's going to yell at me on this. She's going to be listening <laughs> to this podcast and she'll be like, it's called the air fryer. That's oh, what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah. She uses an air fryer. So a lot of people use the air fryer. Um, but I think having, well, I have two dehydrators now, my, one of them, my mom collected and then I ended up with it because I use it all the time, but I dehydrate stuff all summer long, all my, um, flowers, I dehydrate those so that I can make like potpourris. I, I, I make salts in the oven. That's how I make salts. Do you make salts? Yes. We've done yeah. it
1: once. We did it once. Yeah. It's super easy. I'm sure we can do it yeah. better the next
0: time. I do an eighty <laughs> twenty recipe where it's like 80% of the herb, 20% of the salt. So it's really the it's really a seasoning rather than a salt but the salt still brines it But you're cooking it in the oven anyways. I set it to my lowest temperature, which I think my lowest temperature is 170. Mm -hmm. And then I just have to like stir it. So I make like that cilantro salt that we ate on our salad tonight. Mm Yeah, I make that with either that or coriander. I put in garlic and um, onion. And then if I'm trying to make some spicy, like I make a pizza salt where I use habaneros Mm -hmm. in it. Um, Yeah, that's my favorite pizza Mm -hmm. salt. Although I can't eat pizza right now. And I also can't eat peppers right now. so. (laughs) And doing the salt
1: is probably easier in the oven because it's yeah. already drier to begin with, whereas with the air fryer, you want that air circulation or the, or the dehydrator because yeah. the, with the, the kale and all that, it's, it's yeah. so much moisture in there.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a quick, it's a quick snack turnaround. So I'm, I'm enjoying making that. I also made, um, a chicken and vegetable soup the other night. So after Jennifer and I took the chicken, the whole chicken in the instant pot, <laughs> we, uh, we cooked it down, right? And I got taught how Vicky taught me how to do it and we pulled it apart. And then I had like the meat that was left and we put that in the refrigerator. So we're talking like four meals, four snacks, like four lunches. Like I ate a ridiculous amount of food from one (laughs) whole chicken. Of course, it's just me. You know, of course that, that changes things too, but the, the resourcefulness of that. So then I took what was left on the bone and instead of making broth with it, um, this time I just made myself another chicken soup. And just cooked that down and threw in um, sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, (laughs) like sound familiar, right? Basically everything, celery, just like threw all of this stuff in there. And I've been eating on that for three days. And so it was a matter of just basically no recipe. I don't have any recipe. I just threw it all in and then cooked it. I have been using fennel a lot lately. I've really liked that. My fennel's been growing well and I'm not talking about the like the pod of the fennel. I'm talking about the fennel fronds. Mm-hmm. I also put and putting yarrow in a lot more soup. Oh. Do you guys use yarrow for anything?
2: Only I've only used the powder um a couple of times like to make um like a thickening, you know, for yeah. like a uh, gravy. Or and, oh, some. yeah. yeah. Nice. But it's been a long
0: time. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. So yarrow is a plant that grows really well in our gardens here. If you get it planted in the springtime. I have big bushes of it, like massive bushes. And of course, then the flowers grow and the flower is the most medicinal part of it. And it gets used a lot for gardeners or chefs or whatever. People will use yarrow to stop the bleeding when you cut yourself. So you can put, so it's a, what's the word? Coagulant when you, when Mm -hmm. you stop the blood stops. Okay. So this particular medicinal plant is good for that. Well, Cassie and I were learning about it and talking about it the other day. Cassie's getting a lot of shout outs tonight, by yeah, the way. She, is. she was teaching me that Euro is a wound seeker. So when you eat it, it actually goes into your system and like helps heal things inside of your system. So I've been taking it and putting it in my smoothies and have been trying to get it out to more people. Also, particularly women, because I've been dealing, one of my autoimmune things that I've been dealing with is heavy, heavy overflow Mm -hmm. and menstrual overflow, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I'm trying to come up with any way to heal that. So I've been throwing it in my smoothies. And I've been putting in my soup and just kind of like stripping the leaf down with like the little bitty fronds that are on it. It has a flavor. The The stem of it is a little bit of a bitter flavor, but the rest of it isn't like a shocking flavor. I would say maybe like a mustard green, like a young mustard green. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really change the flavor to me. I think it would be interesting to... Because even when like Joe was making the stuff and me making it as well, neither one of us have noticing it in the flavor of things. I would love it for to have some people who aren't used to eating as strictly as we are eat some of the foods that we're, that we're trying out to see how your flavor profiles are. Because mine are very different than the average person. Because I don't yeah. eat sugar and I eat uh-huh. all kinds of vegetables and I eat all kinds of bitter things. Uh-huh. So I know that my flavor palette it is going to be very different than the average like eater. Oh, yeah. I'd be curious to see a little bit more about that.
1: Well, and going back to that's one of the anybody who's talked to me about food in the past couple of months, I'm a big proponent of like soups and stews. I feel like they're yes.
0: super easy to do.
1: Yeah. Like you said, the resourcefulness factor of it, you can throw whatever in there. And it's a great way to, you know, I'll use the word sneak some extra vegetables into your diet yeah. because you cook them in a meat broth. Yes. They taste like meat. Everything's everything's good. Exactly. So it's it's a really great medium to, to have a little bit more nutritious food.
0: Yeah. Well, and you were mentioning that as you, y'all, I talked y'all into coming over to do this tonight. And then not only did I say like, come over, but I do this thing where I'm like, come over and have dinner with me. Do you want to cook? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. he does always. So we're like, okay, we're gonna let's try a hash. And I had mentioned that I'd picked up some ground lamb at the farmers market the other night from Turkey Hollow. I thought, like, okay, I've got all these vegetables. You're like, I can play with anything. Let me just see what I have. Is that
1: the proper term? We just call it a hash. I don't know if that's like a. Is is that that works for me? No, that
0: works for me. I think when you just throw anything in that you have with like some ground meat or whatever, Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty yes standard uh-huh, uh, yeah. yeah 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 so
1: I mean, yeah yeah, it went really well. we had that that ground lamb, which I've really been liking lamb recently. I know yeah. a lot of people think it's got a strong flavor to it, which I don't know. I really enjoy
0: it. That's letting people with a different taste profile taste things that we take, that we eat all the time. That's part of what I'm talking about. But I think part of it is the quality of the Dorper sheep from certain people kind of like Mm -hmm. us, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you guys get your stuff from, where do you get your, your meat from? Where are you getting your meat from?
1: Uh, All over. over. Yeah. We've tried several different places. Most recently we bought uh, a half a cow from Claribel Cattle Company. Mm -hmm. Um, We got a whole hog from, uh, from Turkey Hollow. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And then we've got, you know, little just parts from, uh, yeah. uh, people here and there as well.
0: Gotcha. 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 Well, I'm curious to know, because I know that it always makes a difference in like how they feed them, what land they're eating on oh, the soil yeah, of the land that sure. they're eating on. That Tiroir. too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you, okay. That, get, that throws me into a completely different subject. You guys got ducks. You just said you got ducks the we're, other day. We're
1: waiting for their arrival. Okay. Yes. Well
0: tell us like, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, we uh, we just took a trip to France recently, and apparently really liked the duck. Uh-huh. So uh, we were talking to our friend. Shout out, Cassie. Hey
0: yeah. girl. <laughs> that chick um, is getting it yeah. tonight. <laughs> and uh, she's
1: got some ducks which she raises for eggs. So uh-huh. we not so gingerly asked if we could eat one of their ducks. She's like, No, we love those ducks. <laughs> but if you want to get some more, yeah. you can um, raise them here, and uh-huh. we can see how that goes. She's yeah. our
2: duck
0: surrogate yeah she's <laughs> our duck okay, that's funny so you got uh, you saw my muscovies that are yes, strays yes. the egetys everybody knows mm-hmm. the egetys so that that's you got muscovies or we've muscovies got, got those, or we're not sure yeah, what the pronunciation sure is but yeah um, but mm-hmm.
1: we've got so 10 of those coming and also 10 of the uh, the jumbo peking and then you cross those and you get something called a moulard or a mule duck which is what the French use for their confit and uh, foie gras and things like that. So we thought it'd be a fun experiment. So we got 20 ducks coming. and uh, (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Luckily, they're not staying at our house, but Cassie will take good care of them.
0: I'm so excited because I am happy to know that I've got some friends that are taking on the ducks. So because I've been telling everybody I'm planning on getting some more ducks so that we can – Minimally have eggs, but I, I'm all about figuring out how to eat the meat of whatever we have out here because, well, I mean, it's resourceful. It's better for you. We know the nutrient density of the food that they're eating off the land that they're eating off of. Uh Um, We're doing the processing. And also, we can make amazing food that, you know, can you even buy that at the stores sometimes here in our area? Like, do y'all try to buy anything like that? They've
1: got them like, you can get a whole duck, but it's Uh like 30 or 40 bucks, right? They're pretty, they're, Uh they're not cheap.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be in the rabbit business very soon. So, um, if you guys like rabbit, we'll uh, we can maybe trade a rabbit for a yes, duck. that yeah, sounds like. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what all you put into the dinner tonight. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we had, like we said, ground lamb. Um, just some onion and garlic in there as we uh, we sautéed that, and we tried to do a traditional kind of lamb thing with with uh, rosemary and a little bit of mint from the garden mm-hmm. as well. Uh, that the girls went out and harvested, and then it's just we, you seem to be pulling vegetables. out. of every drawer and cubby in the (laughs) the kitchen (laughs) Uh, so i think we wound up with some um, yellow squash some zucchini squash um, brussels sprouts uh, sweet potato Uh Um, what am i missing some
0: onion and garlic yeah Yeah, more
1: onion and garlic there and then we uh what we've been doing and then at the end of our hash we like to do so we brown the meat set that aside throw Mm -hmm. the veggies in there if there's some that cook longer of course put those in first and then just kind of add as you go along throw the meat back in there and then at the very end We'll turn the heat off, put a handful of chopped greens on the top, put the lid on and let those kind of steam for a couple minutes and then mix that in. And that's a great way to you know sneak in some extra greens or another use for all that uh, that kale you've got as well.
0: Yeah. And so that spinach came from the farmer's market as well. And so all the stuff, except the Brussels sprouts and the garlic um, was all grown locally on a farm with the stuff that we made tonight. And it was fantastic. And I think the best part about it is actually, we said this last week and it's going back to the nutrient density is that ingredients are such delicious ingredients that you don't need a lot of like salts and other types of things i mean yes we put a little bit of salt in it but it already has so much flavor that Mm -hmm. it was an excellent dish i was really impressed with it thanks yeah Yeah, thanks (laughs) thanks for cooking for me sean problem. you know i might i might need a man to cook around from time to time i might have gotten used to that (laughs) i'm just saying um
1: well and speaking of like the natural flavors too when we First got together. My diets changed a lot since I've been with with Kristen here. I was big into sauces. I wanted to put a sauce on everything, or uh-huh. have have something to dip, butter um, or cheese
0: on everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But now,
1: like you said, once you get the that's actually got the flavor in there uh, yeah a little salt and a little butter and just to to help you know bring those out yeah that's that's all you really need and keeping it simple and we just try to complicate things too much uh with uh, a lot of the meals we try to make
0: and i think that that's a really good part of like the aip and making it simple i think that we've talked a lot over the last several weeks about all the different things that we've been cooking or several months now, all the things that we've been cooking for my special diet. And we've done some special things and, you know, Joe made pizza and we've just, you know, done wings with special sauce and, you know, all kinds of things that we've done. But I also think keeping it simple and just throwing in what you have is just as equally delicious. And the ingredients themselves make up for any lack of anything that you might. So I want to come back to that because I know that one of the most complicated thing for people with the AIP or, or any kind of special diet is this idea that it has to be so complicated. You have to have a complicated recipe, you know, anything like that. I thought that that was an interesting way to look at the last couple of weeks of the recipes that I've been making, because as I'm transitioning into cooking again for myself, just trying to keep it simple and just using what I have. And it's a great time of year to just use what you have because the spring vegetables. There's There's so much
2: everywhere now and everything looks beautiful and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah,
0: it wasn't complicated <laughs> at all. One of the things that we were talking about, I, I spoke to LaDonna this week and I think I'm gonna have her on in a few episodes to talk about reintroduction of foods because I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to be ready, mostly because of budget, like I'd like to add eggs back in and I've got green beans, I'd like to get at that in. But also, yeah, because my garden is starting to produce, I harvested an eggplant today And I'm harvesting green beans and there's all of these things. So I was looking at trying to get close to the 90-day mark with it. And then you mentioned something about um, 120 days. And I really, that...
2: So it takes uh, 120 days for all new red blood cells to be formed in the body. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about um, food sensitivities, food intolerances, allergies, what have you, when you're cutting those out of the diet, you really want to give yourself truly 120 days of being away from those foods completely in your mm-hmm. diet. That way, we have all new, fresh red blood cells that haven't re- haven't reacted to any of those particulates in the body
0: Uh Um, because we do. So when you talk about reacting to the particulates, she she's talking about that where we talked about the gut barrier membrane has been broken down. Dysbiosis is causing things that are inside your gut to go into your bloodstream and then to set Mm -hmm. off all the red flags that cause the autoimmune disorders to occur. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
2: So once you've cut that out, when you give yourself that 120 days, now everything's, you know, calmed down, not reactive. Mm -hmm. So then we have healthy, optimally functioning red blood cells that can then, you know, take that nutrients into your cells, into your tissues, and just be providing that nutrients instead of dealing with, combating with that inflammatory response. Right. So we get, you know, the, of course, when you cut food sensitivities out of the diet, you're going to see fairly quickly, most people, um, some kind of improvement. Mm -hmm. But after that, you know, good, three to four months, you really get to the point where now not just the cells are getting good nutrients, but we're starting to see tissue changes in the body. That's what I want. Uh You want those tissue changes. (laughs) And and of course, every organ system, every type Uh of tissue is going to take a different amount of time to regenerate. Uh However, um, you really start to see those tissue changes months into- having those food sensitivities removed from your diet, whatever they are, right? Because everyone's got their special, you know, special thing. Um, But we really then, so after those cells get, you know, good, healthy nutrients, then the tissues get good nutrients and start changing quality of the tissues. And then at that year mark Mm -hmm. is truly where we have organ, full organ shifts and changes. Mm -hmm. And so When I was in my first practice and working heavily with nutrition. And what's
0: your practice? Tell us that.
2: So um, I am a chiropractor Mm -hmm. um, and currently my practice is focused on pregnancy and infants. Okay. Um, But in my first practice, um, I was working in a practice that was chiropractic, but heavily focused on um, nutrition Uh um, and alternative nutrition. alternative healthcare. So we did acupuncture and energy work and we did muscle testing and um, supplementation and foot baths and all kinds of fun Mm -hmm. stuff to help your body get back on track. Mm -hmm. And so with the nutrition, a lot of people were taking things out of their diet, but not giving it enough time. And so, you know, if you cut something out for a week, you're not going to see significant changes typically. Right. Um, Once you cut them out for, three weeks, Uh that's a totally different story because we have delayed food sensitivity reactions that can take up to three weeks before you even have a reaction to it. So if you have eggs one day and then three weeks later, Mm -hmm. you're still having headaches. um, Well, maybe that's from that one time that you had it three weeks ago. Uh But if you don't give yourself that amount of time, Mm-hmm. Then you, you never really know what it truly is. So when you're reintroducing foods, right. um, you do want to give yourself not only an abundance of time to allow your tissues to not just be away from them, but to truly start to heal and repair right.
0: the healing. Exactly.
2: Yeah. But then when you go to reintroduce, the big thing is choose one thing, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest yeah. thing that you think is going to make that lifestyle
0: change easier uh-huh. for you. Uh-huh. Like eggs would be eggs. the thing for me. Exactly. Uh-huh.
2: Great source of protein and healthy yeah. fats and all yeah. kinds of and good it, stuff. And so. my
0: chickens lay them right there in the backyard.
2: Yeah. Free, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So you know, choose the eggs, maybe introduce it once, mm-hmm. and and truly, you should give yourself several weeks, three weeks really Uh to see how your body handles that. And this is where like having a food diary and a, a, you know, a log of, okay, well, how, how was my mood? How, how were my bowels? How, how is my skin doing? Yeah. All of those different factors and see how your body handles it. And if you determine, okay, I was fine, then you can start reintroducing that on a regular basis, but you want to limit the variables. If you go, okay, well, I've done this AIP for three months and I'm feeling great. And then you start doing like, peppers and your, yes. you know, on your, on your omelet and you throw in some,
0: you know, right. cheese. Okay. So now th- this, what you're talking about is why I'm like a little bit nervous about it. Like I was, so, I was thinking to myself, okay, I've, I've decided, okay, I'm ready to start reintroducing things, but then I haven't reintroduced anything. Cause I'm like nervous about it. I don't know how to go about it necessarily. And I've got some information from LaDonna about how to go about it and everything, but I'm still like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So, so I know, and this is how I felt in the initial elimination phase. And I I remember like talking about it on the podcast and just being like, okay, I have no idea how to go forward exactly, but I'm willing to learn it. And I feel very empowered by it. So now I'm like, okay, now we're re-entering the new, the next phase of what could come, totally. you know? Um, I was actually surprised when I looked at the list, how quickly, there were certain things that could be introduced, like the stages, like stage one was pretty simple. It was just like some of the lagoons and, and the yolks of the eggs and things like that. But then the second stage was already like cocoa and like red wine. And I was like, wow, I'm really, <laughs> right back <to> the booze. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, no, I was like, really, I found that quite fascinating. I'm not in a hurry to get back to the booze. I got to admit to you. The, the only thing I'm potentially in a hurry to get it back to is I'd love to I don't want to share farm wine with people without like sipping on it myself too. I feel bad. Like, Oh, here have some, but I can't (laughs) drink any. So like you're all over there by yourself (laughs) drinking the wine. I don't want to make people feel like, you know, you're the only person Like a
1: science experiment. Let's see what happens to them in 20 minutes. I know exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so that's part of the, one of the things that I am, I'm ready to reintroduce, but I'm glad to be able to know that I can talk to you guys some more about this. And, um, the special diet thing is part of the reason I wanted to come, you guys to come out and like, let's cook together, but then let's talk about some of this because I know that special diet stuff is a part of the practice and mm-hmm. what you guys are into Absolutely. with the alls business. So will you tell us a little bit about how this specifically relates to you guys and your business and all of that?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, um, I knew after working with all of the nutrition for such a long time, how important it was, but I was ready to move more into that chiropractic, um, focus, specifically with pregnancy and, um, preconception and postpartum and infants, mm-hmm. um, because that's where my like heart is. And so along with my training working with, um, in the perinatal, perinatal field, um, we went through, um, epigenetics and nutritional, mm-hmm. um, effects in the perinatal period. Can I stop you for
0: a second? And will you define epigenetics for us? Because this is such a new fun word and I'm really excited about it. And please, yes, yes. Yes. Give us the short blip. We'll come back to it and answer questions if we have to. All right. So epigenetics
2: (laughs) is basically you have your genetic code that you inherit from your parents. um, And epigenetics is the effect that your environment has on having those genes express themselves or not. So just because we have genes, yes, um, it's not determinant. Yeah. The stressors, both chemical, physical, emotional, and you can throw in like electrical, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a, any stressors yeah, on yeah. you, um, whether we're talking about like in utero, as a child, as an adult, yes. throughout your life, those stressors will switch or cause your genetic code to be expressed one way or another Turning back and on forth. Or off.
0: So yeah. how stressed out your mom was when she was pregnant with you actually changed your genetic code. 100%. See, this is the part where they've made it like this some kind of woo-woo something or another that people are talking about. I'm like, Study it in epigenetics now. You can actually study it. And I am oh, so yeah. glad that you used that term because we've never talked about it on the podcast yeah. before. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's this thing that I've been floating around talking about, but I've never like said, no, this is actual a science and this yeah. is how this works. And it's not something that we just like say, we think this is happening now. No, It's heavily studied now. Absolutely.
2: And it's been, a, we've known about epigenetics right. for
0: decades. Yes. That's
2: the more frustrating part is it's not new. It's not yeah. exciting and new. This has been
0: like since the nineties when they actually figured some stuff out with our genetics exactly. and then never really, it just didn't get into the mainstream. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: that's really where, um, I went from being focused on the chiropractic aspect to understanding that I can blend those two aspects of the nutrition and the chiropractic Mm -hmm. portion together a little bit more um, uh, in integrity with what I wanted to do. And so that comes in like the perinatal period of preconception work. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of um, what I was trained in was looking at not just mom, Mm-hmm. but mom and dad mm-hmm. and how their the health of their bodies you know how much nutrients they're taking in mm-hmm. how well they're reacting to stress how well their nervous system is communicating making sure that they are both um, contributing the healthiest cells possible for that conception so that then uh, yeah. you have an easier healthier pregnancy and labor and birth process to have these the morning sickness. Right. And yeah. So um <laughs> yeah. so a big factor with morning sickness is the health of the the sperm donor.
0: Uh-huh. Um and interesting. so
2: yeah. So it's really interesting. So um the protocol that I um that we learned about with the um the ICPA for um for chiropractors that work with children in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called the Schaefer Protocol. Mm -hmm. And so her her protocol is specific to... creating health for both parents in the preconceptive period. And this is where that 120 days okay. comes in. Yeah. Okay. So for parents that are have been trying to conceive and having issues with fertility mm-hmm. um, for all kinds of various reasons, she um, has both parents get on this protocol. And it's okay. super straightforward okay. stuff yeah. um, to the point where Sean and I, when we were talking about like starting our family, we looked at the protocol, which I had learned about. And uh-huh. I, we were both like, this is too easy. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. so we actually called one of my friends that has like extra training in it and went yeah. and saw her in mm-hmm. uh, Victoria. But um, the point is that um, of all of the families that um, Dr. Marcia Shaver has worked with with uh, within that preconception period, um, out of the, I think she's at like 135 babies born to parents that were told that they were infertile by their medical yeah. doctors yes. and all their specialists, yes. right? So 135 yeah. or plus, um, babies, there was only one mother who had any, um, morning sickness during her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And it was the only one whose um, the, the dad was not on protocol, right? which is wild. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really fun yeah, thing to learn to right to right about.
0: There. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what this gets me to, um, I mean, of course it does. But the thing is, is that like food is medicine and food can solve all of our problems and start with the food. And I've learned that on my own uh, repeatedly. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I'm finding out as I'm learning more about um, autoimmune disorders is I had premature labor Mm -hmm. and there was literally no explanation. No one could explain why. But I think my autoimmune stuff started probably when I was, it started kicking off when I was 13 mm-hmm. with a lot of, I, I was, I went through a major lawnmower accident and had a lot of antibiotics and mm-hmm. every, they were trying to save my life and right, save my right, leg. Right. right. And clean me out and get all the mud and junk and grass and everything, bacteria and all this stuff out. So they cleared my whole entire state. They, they wiped my system. Mm-hmm. So when I was 19, I started having gastrointestinal issues. Yeah. So I was already, and then my son was born when I was 20. So I was in the midst of like the worst, ulcerated colitis Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff going on like that. Mm -hmm. And so now that I know that, I'm like, I bet that's why I had preterm labor.
2: Dysbiosis. Actually, there's um, quite a bit of research on um, like dysbiosis. So whether we're talking about gut or whether we're talking about um, in the vaginal tract, that Mm -hmm. is associated with um, preterm labor. Yeah. So because there was
0: no explanation, I mean, every other test that they did on my body, there was no reason I just had preterm labor and I started it at like 21 weeks. Mm-hmm. So it was like, basically my body kept trying to birth the baby, even mm-hmm. though the baby wasn't anywhere. And I had him, uh, he was born, uh, 34 weeks, but I had had multiple times they had to had to stop the pregnancy with him. Of course, then when I went into having my next baby, I started out the process from the beginning, much healthier mm-hmm. actively because I knew so much more right. and had already set the process of having a different birth experience and all that so it goes back to like the mental health they all of the things like understanding all of these things but the the food health and and i can tell you that um my stress has changed clearly that's a big part of what's going on that change is really i'm very happy about it but my food has changed so much and the the habits that i had related to all of that food have made me like a different person just in just like 90 days like well, totally. into like I'm a because different it's, person.
2: It's the nutrients that it's the chemistry that you're giving your body to function on. And we talk so much about mental health being like an imbalance in the brain chemistry, mm-hmm. but that chemistry is made somewhere. It's right. made by your body processing the chemicals of the foods that you're consuming. Mm. And so if you're putting good nutrient dense, like good quality stuff into your body, then your gut's going to start breaking that down into what it needs. And that is going to affect how your brain is picking up. you do up, everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Sean, you're taking this on a little bit more, the the food side of this in, in y'all's business together. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So like said, we're primarily a, a chiropractic office, but uh, I got my master's in nutrition back in December... So we are going to start offering nutrition. I don't even know what we're calling it counseling, coaching, yeah. but my big my big point is that I think we all kind of know what we should eat. If you look at you know a salad and a plate of chicken nuggets, like you know which one's gonna be better for you. Um, so we know the what to eat, but not necessarily the how to prepare it and make it taste good. So if I can tell you, hey, you need to eat you know kale and you know all these good vegetables and you don't know how to prepare them in a, in a healthy way, then you're, you're not going to do it. So part of what we're doing is pairing the nutrition counseling coaching uh, with uh, in-home cooking portion as well. So you learn the uh, the how, the what, uh, and the, the, the why of why we're doing everything.
0: And when do you guys think that you'll like get started and move forward with some of that. Can you do some announcing of anything here on this? Podcast? Uh, so yeah,
1: my schedule is uh, open as of May uh, 21st. So we've oh, got some awesome. people on the schedule already Good. and um, yeah, we're, we're ready to go. If there's any questions, let us know. Well, you've got <laughs>
0: a um, captive audience here at the dinner table because this is the kind of stuff we talk about every week. And I've been talking about doing some of the same types of things in my own way from my own perspective. And so you've got an audience of people listening here that are looking for people to help, them with food that's why that's part of the reason they listen to this podcast yeah so. and like
1: going back to what we said earlier we make it more complicated than it needs to oh, be yeah. so i mean our i don't know if we even mentioned the office name yet where it's Empower yes. wellness yes. is where we are <laughs> thank you yes um, <laughs> so empower
0: um, empower wellness yeah. so mm-hmm. and
1: part of what we're doing with the the nutrition is trying to you know empower people as well i don't want people to have to go and find you know dig a recipe out of the the cupboard and make sure they've got all the ingredients on there to empower people to know how to work with what they've got, to be able to be resourceful, like you mentioned, with the chicken soup and just to have the confidence to do so instead of a lot of it seems overcomplicated and scary and and unattainable.
0: Yeah, no. And stack your pantry, stack your refrigerator so that you can be creative. So that um, I taught people how to do a Google search a couple of weeks ago, apparently. And it's and it's this simple. You type in a few words for some ingredients that you have in Google and then like a list of recipes will come up and you can yeah. like play around with some things and then you can take different ideas and then it just makes you more comfortable with mm-hmm. the idea that at this point, like tonight, and okay. for me, the last couple of dinners that I've been making, I'm The pasta primavera we made last week. We're not really doing anything other than pulling out what we have Mm -hmm. and just throwing it all together, but we kind of have like an idea of different ways to make things. You make a improvisational cooking. It's
2: jazz. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have to be great every time. It just needs to be edible. And I think that's where people get nervous is oh my gosh, is it gonna taste good? Well, I mean, it's gonna not taste too terrible. It's going to be edible. And that's the point of the food. And then, you know, if you didn't like the way it was, well, then maybe you make it different next time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just make it different. Try something different, but always know that great ingredients, starting with farmer's market ingredients, local meats, all of that kind of stuff, nutrient dense food Mm -hmm. is going to be a huge part of making it flavorful to begin with. So the name of your business is Empower Wellness. Tell us some more stuff about how we can get a hold of you if we're looking for you.
2: Well, we're on, we're on the Facebook, we're on, on the Facebook, we're on the Instagrams. <laughs> um, Do you have a oh, website?
0: we got a website,
1: empowerwellnesscc.com for Corpus Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, email, same thing, empowerwellnesscc at gmail.com.
0: Yep. Kristen Knowlton and Sean Strawbridge. Did I say that wrong? S- Sutherland southern i'm just making up names (laughs) that sean strawbridge is the guy that does the port by the way oops Oops. shout out yeah yeah exactly (laughs) uh yes thank you guys so much for coming on uh and talking about your um your special diet and cooking dinner for me sean and thanks for
1: having us all kinds of Mm -hmm. things
0: like that um Folks, don't forget that my business um, also has a lot of things going on. Of course, I mentioned earlier that I'm gonna be doing some deliveries. If you're interested in getting some of my produce deliveries, just message me and I'll put you on the list. Um, Also, I've got a lot of coaching going on with my gardening right now. I have a special that's Two hours for $77. I'll come hold your hand while we garden. And that could be your patio garden. That could be your backyard garden. We may have that to talk to be... you about that. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. please. I would love to. <laughs> um, I would love to come out and help you guys out. Um, and also if you're doing, if you're wanting to get your homestead underway and have it like a landscaping uh, consultation, I spoke to somebody today about that. I'm super excited to work with anybody on that as well. And I have a class coming up on October. October. Why am I in October? (laughs) I'm actually in April. Um, On April the 29th, Saturday morning, I have an organic gardening class. I'm going to talk about regenerative agriculture here on the farm. So look me up, AislinnCampbell.com. I'm, I'm of course, on the Facebook, and I I love that, (laughs) the Insta and all of the, the TikTok. And I'm also on the YouTube. And YouTube, you can get this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, please subscribe. Also, know that I could get my dog's hair trimmed at the actual groomer if you guys were willing to support the podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's this little thing that it's like a button you push where you just like donate a few bucks to the podcast. And that would be a huge help to everything that I'm doing out here on the farm and support Kaishin's haircut. That's um, really by what donating. this whole thing has been it's, about. Just, oh, a
1: good, uh, just a good haircut. Yes, That's why we're
0: here. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. If you could just <laughs> call us up and just throw a little bit of money at this poor kid that needs a good haircut, <laughs> you guys. Come on. Come on. So um, sub- subscribe, like, uh, give us some ratings for the podcast. If you love what we're doing, if you love what I'm doing, reach out to us. And then, of course, reach out to my friends, uh, Christian and Sean. And last but not least, you guys get to join me at, with the random question of the week. All right. All right. Let's Are you ready for this? I need ready. both of you guys to answer this. All right. Oh, gosh. Would you rather be an only child or have 10 siblings? Only child. Oh my God! All right, how many siblings do you have already?
1: Right. I've got I've got an older sister, uh, seven years older, and a younger brother who's six years younger. So I, I was kind of a
0: kind of only, an only yeah, child. Yeah,
1: yeah. We didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways,
0: what about you, Kristen? That's such
2: a tough one. I think I would go with the lots of siblings. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. She's got a I, big
1: family.
2: Yeah. I I don't know. I how many siblings like do little, you have? I have a little sister. She's yeah. six years younger. Yeah. But I, you know, I feel like I kind of lived the only child life. Yeah. For so long. Yeah. And then she came around and stole my parents. And so <laughs> yeah. I feel so like kind of but I feel like if yeah. there were more, maybe yeah. I would have gotten over that, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I think based on just some experience that I have with having like a lot of kids around and knowing the only child life too. Um, I actually have a brother. It's me and brother. We're five years apart. So um I can't imagine in my parents' household with a bunch more kids, I think that that would have been a, lo- a loud anxiety fest. Um, but I think that I'm always more, I'm better to have like a house full of people. Uh, but I also am really appreciating the quiet aloneness right See, now. There's something to it, right? Yeah. Just having your own so,
1: troubles to worry about, not everybody else. Yeah, so I'm not really <laughs> sure yet. I, I can't don't hate decide. People. I don't get that.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an extrovert introvert, Sagittarius. And so
1: oh, that's what you
0: guys are you, are well. you a Sag? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Sure. Okay. So I, I like both <laughs> actually, yeah. I like, want 10 people around and then I want you all to go to hell. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. precisely. No more, no less.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for coming.